0: Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing good? All right, glad to have you guys here. I'm excited to be with you again as we uh, continue and uh, close out our series on focus. Um, so pray with me this morning as we as we jump in. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for all these people, whether they're watching the video again or they're here in person or online. But God, I thank you so much for this chance we have to be together, to celebrate together, God, and just, uh, just come together and grow in you. So God, we thank you. We love you. And everybody said... Amen. Again, welcome everybody here that's in person. Welcome everybody that is there online. So glad to have you all here. And we've talked a lot about different ways to to shift our focus, haven't we, in the past, you know, three or four weeks. We talked about focusing on our thoughts, keeping them on heavenly good things. We focused on uh, talking about our focus, keeping our eyes on Jesus. And then last week, we talked about keeping our focus on our future, and what, is, what does Jesus have in store for us as we move forward, and letting him be the one that dictates our path. And I want to encourage you, um, last week, I put out on the, the um, coffee island over there, little uh, papers that said, plan for my life, number one says God's plan, the rest were blank, and then a place for you to sign on the bottom. And so if you haven't done that yet, take it, sign it, date it, but fill it out And sign it before you fill in your blank. So always remember that you committed to God's plan first before you threw your plan in there. So um, so that was a fun, I saw a lot of people take those. So thank you for doing that. And I hope that you've been encouraged as we talk about this and our focus on how we can keep bettering ourselves and focusing on our walk with Jesus. Now, as we get ready to dive in, uh, mark your Bibles in a couple spots. Habakkuk 2.14, that's a fun one to say. Habakkuk 2.14 and Matthew 28. Now, as you're turning there, you know, I felt in preparation for, for this message in this series, I thought, how should we end this series? And I thought, why not talk about focusing on our mission? I believe everybody here has a mission. We're all called to do something. And believe it or not, it's groundbreaking. Pastors and ministers are not the only ones called to spread the word of God. I know that some of you guys just like, mind-blowing moment, right? Pastors and ministers are not the only ones whose job is to spread the news of God. And another thing, it doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings. When we talk about the mission of spreading the word of God, this is something that is really all-encompassing and goes through beyond a Sunday morning. But it's easy to follow that kind of thinking, isn't it? Just as, as you go through the day of your life, you know, you can kind of fall into the repetition of, you know, we Sunday, we go, we sing, we listen, we go home. Then when we go home, we work We, you know, be with our families, we work, family. It's just kind of the routine of life. And we we can forget that there actually is a mission that happens in every aspect of our week, every aspect of our day that goes beyond just a Sunday. But as we see, we're going to break through some scripture today and pick some things apart, and we'll see that this is so much more than going to church. When we want to talk about our mission, this is so much more than just going to church. Because I believe that going to church and being the church are two very separate things. Going and being are two very separate things, along with reading the Bible and living the Bible, are two very separate things. Now, going to church is super important. I strongly believe that. And reading the Bible is very important. I strongly believe that. But I think that's just a part of something that's really supposed to be all-encompassing. For example, I love to watch spy movies. You you get a good spy movie going I love the Mission Impossible series, except for Mission Impossible 2. That movie was garbage. The rest of them were great movies. Now, can you imagine, though, if Ethan Hunt and his team, they get their mission, they go to their briefing, they get everything they're supposed to do, right? They have the final outcome. Our job is to stop this guy from destroying the world or taking over something that's typically, you know, par for the course. But can you imagine if they get the briefing and then they decided to never execute their game plan? They hear all the instructions, they get what they're supposed to do, they know the outcome, what can happen, and then they decide, no, we're not going to do it. They have all the head knowledge, right? They, they, they attended the briefing. They know what they're supposed to do. But then nothing happens. When you hear what you have to do, when you read the report and do the research and do nothing about it, you're, you're forgetting your part to play. And there is no change in what's going on because we've decided to just listen but not participate. And that's what I mean when I say going to church and being the church are two separate things. Reading the Bible and then living the Bible are two separate things. Both important, but we can't leave out the big steps of actually walking out what we hear or living out what we read and letting that transform us. You see, going to church can look like what a lot of us you know, have maybe grown up doing kind of when you, when you think of what is church in the basic sense, a lot of it can, can categorize into the form of going to church. We come in on a Sunday, we listen, we go home, and we repeat. Now again, that's a really, really big part of it, important for building yourself up and being a part of your family and your community. Being the church means that we do all those things, but throughout the week, we are living what we did on Sunday. We're putting into practice the things that we heard, going and actually living out the message, allowing our hearts and our minds to, to shape, to mold, to be transformed, and to act out the things that God is really putting on our hearts to do. We're engaged in community, we're helping people in need, letting uh, what we hear on Sunday challenge and maybe even have some godly conviction and then put that into action. I'm not a fan of trying to make someone feel bad, that that's never my goal, but I do know that sometimes, I've heard heard many messages in church where I've left thinking, oh man, I blew it. (laughs) I have have not done what I'm supposed to do, but it's not about leaving and feeling guilty or convicted, it's about what are you going to go do with that then? Are you then going to say, all right, God, you, you, you really spoke to me in this way. You really challenged me here. Now I get to live it out. Now I get to grow. Now I get to go do something about it. I think that's a lot of our mission. And reading the Bible. Reading means, you know, what we're going to fill our heads with knowledge, which is really, really important to, to know the scripture and dive in. But living it means you're transferring that knowledge from your head to your heart. And you're letting it do a work inside of you. And you allow the very words of God, the holy and inspired book, do a work in you that will forever change you, and ultimately calls you into action. So there's a difference between those things. Going and reading, different than being and living, but all part of a good mission. And today I want us to look at a part of something in Scripture that that talks about that, our mission. In fact, this is so important that it's actually talked about in the Old Testament and then pulled through and reinforced by Jesus himself in the New Testament. The mission of spreading his news to others. And like I said before, it isn't just a Sunday morning job for for the worship team or the greeting team. This is a job that I think encompasses everybody who calls themselves um, a child of God. and says, I have a relationship with you. We're all called to this mission. It's something for all of us. And God desires that we all play a part. So today, I want us to regain um, a new fire in us. My my hope is that when we leave here today, we have uh, maybe targets in our set. Like, "I, I can go talk to this person. I can go do this. And we'll unpack how that looks a little bit later. But that's really my goal for today, that we all get inspired and fired up to go live out this mission, to let people know that if they don't have a church home, they can have one. If they don't know the God who loves them more than anything, he's right there just waiting. He already loves them. He just wants them to talk to him. They can have a living, active relationship with someone who loves them more than anything I think any of us can ever fully understand or comprehend. So our discussion is going to start with God's mission. So it begs the question then, what is God's mission? If I were to ask, what, would you, what is God's mission, um, what would people say? And there, there are many different mentions of this in the Bible, but I think one of the clearest uh, mentions is in Habakkuk 2.14, where it says this. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I love that visual that that it paints. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So this this paints a beautiful picture of, of the whole earth being covered with the glory of the Lord. That they would honor and accept and know his glory. Not our glory, not our message, but his message. And how do we know what God's glory is like? Man, but we, we learn that the more we understand God, and the more we walk with God, and the more we develop our relationship with Jesus and through the Holy Spirit and through his word that he left for us. We get to, to, we get to kind of paint this picture in our minds of this is what God's glory looks like, his perfect love and acceptance, and how he wants that to blanket the whole world. So if you want to put it simply, what is God's mission? To share his glory with the world. Now, knowing that that mission is a, the mission is a huge part of it, and, you know, first got to know, and there's a famous saying from a great cartoon, now I know, and knowing is half the battle, there we go, G.I. Joe. So first, you've got to know, right? You've got to know the mission, and once you know it, then you can start acting it out. Now, spoiler alert, the Bible does not say, I'm going to let the people have free will, and then I'm going to snap my fingers, and they're all going to worship me on the count of three, everyone believes in me, no one has free will anymore. The Bible doesn't say that. God doesn't say he's going to do that, but the Bible is full of stories who God gives specific missions to. And they go out and they live an active purpose and through them following God's call, we see thousands upon thousands of people come to know Jesus. We see the word get spread throughout the land. And all these missions looked very different, but there was one constant in these. God gave them the mission. In scripture, we see that God has given all of us a very important mission that aligned perfectly with that goal that was said in Habakkuk. Now, in Matthew 28, the final chapter of Matthew, the last few statements that Jesus says to disciples are telling us exactly how to partner with God in his mission for the world. So starting in verse 19, Matthew 28:19 says this. And this is a very popular scripture. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Simply put, God's mission, spread his glory on the world. Our mission, go. We get to go tell others. To tell them not just um, all, we get to tell them all he has done. And not just tell them, but it says we teach them. We get to go be an active part of not just shouting out what God has done, but being a part of people's lives and building relationships with them. And we're going to unpack that a little bit, too. But we have a huge part to play in God's mission. And for me, this is super comforting because it takes away the thought that life is just a routine, that it's just a rinse, recycle, repeat, do it over and over again. But we actually have a purpose. Every day when we wake up, we know, God, there's a purpose for today. There's something I'm supposed to do today. There's something I get to do today. And, and I, I can get excited wondering, who's, who's going who's gonna to call me today? Who's going who's to text? Who am I going to call? Who am I going to text? Who am I going to reach out to? Who do I get to share life with today and ultimately share what Jesus is doing in my life with someone today? Everyone, everyone has been called up to God's team. And as our coach, he's given us an incredible playbook. Now within this statement in Matthew I think Jesus tells us a few different uh, things in particular that we're going to that guide us closer on the focus to call and reach the world. The first of which is where to go. You're going to hear me a lot say go. It's, it's our call to go. We're going to go, but then some people can even say where? <laughs> where am I supposed to go? And that's going to look different for everyone. But the first part of Matthew 28:19 says this. It says where do you go? It says go and make disciples of all the nations. Of all the nations. Now There can be a popular misconception with with walking with Jesus. So some people may say, oh, all the nations. That means I have to go overseas. I have to go to a third world country. I have to do a mission trip somewhere else. I believe those are important. I believe those are strong. You've heard me talk about Mexico and how much that meant to me and uh, my daughter Aurora when we went. And I love that trip dearly. But I know that not everybody's mission is to go all the way out. So what if we were to look at another book that also expands on this going? Acts 1.8 says this. This is the follow-up to Luke's gospel, and here's what Jesus says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see what he does in that verse? He breaks down a lot, doesn't he? He says, hey, you get to do it here, you get to do it there, and you get to do it there, and you get to keep going there. So it's not just a Go out somewhere that you've never been before, it really is saying there is areas all around us that we can do when we can go. When we want to say, I want to be a part of God's mission. We can understand that the importance of God's mission also takes place right here in our community. It also takes place right outside your front door. Now, like I said, I've been to Mexico and I could talk I could talk for hours about the amazing things God has done. We've experienced loaves and fishes moments in Mexico. We've experienced people giving their lives to Jesus in Mexico and relationships we still have to this day. I still have some people that, my my Spanish, I'm okay with Spanish. I I can get around, but Google Translate's an amazing thing. And so I can still have conversations with people that have Facebook when we were down there, and they ask about my family. Um, There's a little girl that asks about Aurora all the time. And they get to talk through Facebook um, because of the relationship that they've built, as we've seen this little girl who didn't know Jesus come to know Jesus through this trip. I've also been involved in many missions trips that took place right down the street from where I worked in California. Now, over the course of the years, for example, uh, when I was a children's pastor in California, one of my goals was I want to get into the schools. I really want to be involved in the schools. But but as we all know, God in school, there, there's usually a conflict there. You can't really do Jesus stuff in school. You can't hold prayer stuff in school. So I was thinking, all right, how do I get involved in the schools? Because for me, I was like, this is right now what I feel God is putting on my heart as my number one missions trip. Where am I supposed to go? I'm supposed to go to this school. I'm supposed to be involved in this school. So over the course of the years, what I decided to do was, was get involved on a low scale level as much as I could. So I started volunteering in the, the lunch hour. I started offering myself up as just a tutor for an hour a day, um, said, hey, I'm, I'm a parent. Actually, it was before Aurora was even in the school, so I didn't even have kids in the school. But I said, hey, I'm a parent and I have time. I would love to be able to volunteer and do what I can. And usually when it comes to schools, if you say, I have time, they're like, when, where, how? <laughs> they, they, they want you there to do things. So I was able to get in and start developing relationships with teachers, just getting them to know that I cared about them, that I cared about the school and the kids. And I got to have a lot of fun in the school then that expanded a little bit. We started doing uh, service projects for the school, gardening days and weeding days. Then we had a luncheon for the school staff. And what we started to do, what we saw was this wasn't me just diving into the school, proclaiming, I want to teach the Bible and teach it now, but they got to see a relationship start to be built. And then it started to, to really come out, you know, so Dustin, where do you work? I actually work at the church. It's just a few blocks away. They started to see that the church loved the school. It absolutely loved the school. And then ultimately I was a oh we we started doing a carnival at the school. And I would do carnivals at the church. So I had a lot of equipment. So they were like, okay, school budget, we want cotton candy, we want this. It's like, hey, we have that. We can do that. We can be involved and do this. And they said, you know, what are we gonna what are you gonna charge us to rent that? Nothing. Let's just have fun with the kids in the school. And one of the jokes said, well, why don't we just call this Las Juntas Carnival, sponsored by Creekside Church. And it was really, really funny because I know there was a, it was a joke we were laughing, but at the same time, they were getting comfortable in a good way knowing that the church loved the school. And then an amazing thing happened. I was able to start an after-school club, a Bible club in a public school. See, what I saw was relationship breaks barriers. Relationships break so many barriers. When we began to see that the barrier breaking between the church and school, we weren't just the church down the street causing a storm. We weren't just trying to storm the campus and say, you kicked God out of schools, we want him back. We were the church that through our actions showed support. Creekside ended up becoming a pillar for that school and it was an amazing thing to be a part of. Um, They would ask for for different supplies, and and we were able to help in different ways that we could with supply drives and and donations. And this Bible club was the coolest thing because we saw kids who didn't have a relationship with Jesus start coming to this Bible club because it was the carnival guy (laughs) doing a club after school. And then we saw those kids start to come to church. And then their families started to come with them to church. And then those families started getting involved in the church. And we were like, wow, this is the coolest mission ever, isn't it? We didn't have to go overseas. We didn't have to go crazy looking at a different country for that point. That point was like, this is my mission. My missions field was the school. And it was a long-term mission trip. We were, I was involved in that school for many, many years. And it took place just down the street. It was the coolest thing. When we go somewhere, it can be just down the street. The important thing is that we go. We say, God, I'm going to go. Show me where to go. Romans 2, 3, and 4 says this, so when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape my judgment or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I think this is so key because spreading the word of God. Now, if I would have gone to the school and done the fire and brimstone approach, said, I'm going to do a Bible club. You legally can't tell me, no, I'm going to do this. And then, and then I would have you know, said, the truth is, why don't you let God in schools? Why are you not letting us in? They probably looked at me and said, this is why. <laughs> this is exactly why we don't, because of the attitude coming in behind it. It wasn't my mission to go and convict and scream and shout. It was my job to show kindness. It was my job to build a relationship. And through that relationship, we saw people come to repentance. We saw people's lives transformed because it learned, they were like, hey, this is a church and things I've heard bad about the church are not mirroring how this church is now loving my family. And that is an amazing thing to see. And then as a bonus over the years, we ended up, they actually put my picture in the the school staff yearbook one day. And I was just a volunteer. I was there a few days a week, but I ended up getting in the staff yearbook. And it was, it was so fun because I was just there doing one of my things. I said, Dustin, come take a picture. It's like, I don't work here. They said, but you've done so much. We want to be able to show people what you guys do. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And, uh, and my daughter saw that picture. and was like, you don't work there. I was like, I might as well at this point. You know, I'm, I'm there all the time. But ultimately, it wasn't, it wasn't for my acknowledgment it really was i got to take that to the church and say say hey church because of what you've done for the school we're getting recognized in the school yearbook this is really really cool lives are changed because of our relationship this was one of the many instances that i was able to see uh, god's mission advanced in my own community and if it could happen for me it can happen for you it can happen for anywhere as long as we're willing to take that step and say god tell me where to go i may not have the ability or desire to go overseas if that's you but where, what you can do is go somewhere that is right here. For some of us, the main thing in the way of, of that happening is our availability and our obedience to just step out. Throughout this series, we, we've talked about the choice we have, right? Where we're going to shift our focus, how we're going to step out in faith. Um, for some of us, like my mission was the school. And I, I had the ability to, from where I worked to just go down the street and go into the school. Maybe not, you know, not everybody's going to have that ability. Maybe your mission field is your workplace, You get to go to work and you get to say, God, this is my mission field. How do I get to spread your love here? Maybe for you, it looks like having that conversation with a family member who may have been turned off from the gospel for a while. Maybe someone who was there and is not going anymore. Maybe that's your mission. Say, hey, I have a great relationship with this family member. I can now show them the love and the kindness and the grace of Jesus just through our relationship. Maybe it's with someone who you know who said, you know what, I've been to church, I've been burned at church, I'm never going back. But you get to say, hey, well, you know what? Some people may have failed you, but I know a God who never will. I know a God who will never burn you, and maybe come check out, come check out my church because the people here are amazing. And, and I say that very specifically for this place. Man, I, I, I see the way that, that you guys have treated me and my family, and I get excited for any new person that walks in the doors knowing how they're going to be received and loved when they come to this place. I, I love it. You could be standing right here in the middle of your mission field for us at Celebration Center, our mission field, right now we have a, we have a mission and we're serving Zyger Elementary. That's a great mission field for us to really dive into more and see what can we expand in with Zyger. We have a new elementary school, Desi Evans. We have the middle school, the high school. Our mission field is right here around us. And I tell you, when, when, when I go through and I pray for our community, I get this amazing sense that, man, our, our mission, our field is so ready for a harvest. It is so ready for harvest, and what we need is the ability and desire to say, God, I'm here. Let's go use me to harvest. Use me to build relationships. Use me for your mission. The next part of Jesus' statement in Matthew 28 is moving from where to go and what to say. And this can really mess people up. What to say or what to teach. Now, I've, I've heard people come and say, you know what, I really want to talk to people about Jesus, but I get as far as, my name is such and such. Good talk, and then they're done. You don't know what to say. How do you start that conversation, right? Now, I know Jesus says this in Matthew 28, 19. It says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, to obey all the commands I have given you. But how? What do we do? What do we actually say to get it? Well, instead of focusing on your words, where you start, how about you let your life glorify God first? Let your life glorify God first. Matthew five fifteen and sixteen says this: Neither do people put a lamp. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that you may they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice how it doesn't say so they may see your good deeds and glorify you. It says they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You don't have to run up to every person. And I talked to one of our students today who called it Bible slapping. You don't have to run up to every person you see and slap them with the Bible. I don't know if that's gonna ultimately work very well. There are many people who don't know Jesus and there are many people who don't have a desire to even hear about him. And if you sit there and you come up to someone you just meet for the first time and you start shouting out the good who Jesus is to you, you may have some that listen, but you may have some that don't. But if people see your life glorifying God, if people see your attitude in your heart and they see the fruit of the spirit pouring out of you, that's gonna be an amazing attractant to spreading the mission in the word of God. Let people see where your focus lies. Let people see that you're looking at Jesus and how he's transformed your life. And I believe that through this relationship, when you let your life do the talking, you really let your walk with God and how he's convicting you and changing you, when that does a lot of the talking, there's a lot of conversation that's gonna open up. A lot of times, you'll have people that, that can say, why, why are you acting this way? Why are you doing that? And guess what door they just opened? The door for you now to share what you maybe didn't know how to share in the first place. I know that when we go to Mexico, we don't just run down the streets shouting from the rooftops about Jesus. We don't just run down the streets going crazy, banging on doors, telling people, we're here from California, and we want you to know Jesus loves you. Do you love Jesus? Come with us right now. That's not the goal. That's, that's not our strategy. That is our goal. We want people to come. We want to share this so desperately, but our strategy is about building a relationship. And what we found is through these relationships, we've seen so many people come to know Jesus. One of those girls that I talked about Her name is Karime, and when we first met her in Mexico, she was this five-year-old kid stealing the little scraps of wood from our build site. She just kept running up, and she would think it was the funniest thing. (laughs) Ha ha, she'd take a piece of wood and run. (coughs) And we didn't need those scraps, but at the same time, at first it was almost kind of an annoying thing, like she keeps taking all of our stuff. She's getting in the way. But then we said, what if we started having her help us do some little things? And then sure enough, she grabbed a paintbrush and started painting things with us. And then we had, over the course of the years, the ability to build on the same street in Mexico. And Karime is now a teenager. She loves Aurora. She's given her life to Christ. And she has become a part of what we've done, all because we decided in that moment, we are going to build a relationship with this girl. And I'll tell you, she didn't come to know Jesus for a few years. She saw us every single year, given only for five days a year. But she saw us. And when she saw the the bus driving down the street, she knew who we were. She knew that we were back, and she came to love hanging out with us. And she started, she became her little assistant on every house we were building. It was really, really fun. And then ultimately, she came to one of our church services that we had at our base in Mexico, and she and her family gave their lives to Christ. And I know that would not have happened had we just banged on her door and told her, to, to, you got to believe in this, or Jesus loves you, why don't you believe? But through that relationship, when she saw that we cared, she saw that we, we brought games and food and supplies and the VBS we would do where we brought stuff and told kids, we, we went down the street and said, we have all this fun stuff for you guys. And they, they were asked, why are you doing this? It's because we care about you because somebody else bigger than us cares about you. When they saw that, lives were changed. Build relationship. The teachings that come from words, so let me say this again. Build a relationship, then the teachings will come. Build a relationship, then the words will come. But start with that foundation first. Get to know people. Let them see the kindness of God that resides in your heart. Then let the words come. Isaiah 12, 4 says this. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim his name exalted. Now this is great because Isaiah was written long before Jesus was on the scene physically. And he's talking about proclaiming his name to all the nations. And throughout scripture, we see this. Something in the Old Testament said, and then it's reinforced immediately with Jesus in Matthew. We see so many cross-references of Old Testament things happening and being reinforced in the New Testament. It's amazing. And so this, this idea of going and telling people about God is not something that started with Jesus. It's something that was completed through Jesus. He brought it forth. And I love that we get to see it tied in directly. The call to spread Jesus is not just the act of going to people, but it's teaching them, building that relationship, and then ultimately it says baptizing people. Now, baptizing, um, as many of you may be familiar with, maybe some of you aren't, baptizing is something that we do. As a public declaration, once we've given our lives to Christ, we get to say, I am no longer my old self, and you go under the water. That's a symbol of Jesus going into the tomb. And then you come out of the water, and you say, this is my new life with Jesus. And that's symbolic of Jesus rising from the dead. And I love that. There's, There's nothing quite like when you get to experience and see someone baptized. It's an amazing thing, because you know that that is someone declaring to us declaring to the world, declaring to the enemy that I am not yours. And it is so fun to be a part of. When I got to baptize uh, my daughter, Aurora, man, I was a wreck. It It was a really, really fun moment when I was driving her to school one day, and she had said, she was just talking, and she said, Dad, when do I get to get baptized? And I said, well, Aurora, that's something that we do after you know, we give our lives to Jesus. And I went over little scriptures with her, these same ones I shared with you now. And she goes, well, I've never given my life to Jesus yet. Can I do it right now? And I remember just driving going, you gotta pull over. <laughs> and so I, I pulled over right there. I called Stephanie and I said, Aurora wants to receive Jesus. And uh, so I, I prayed with her and Aurora was so excited. She said, I'm gonna get baptized. I'm gonna tell everyone. And it was the coolest thing. Getting, getting baptized, seeing someone get baptized, that is such a phenomenal, amazing part of watching someone's life changed through Jesus. There's nothing quite like it. <clears throat> Jesus invites us to baptize people into his family of faith, and he uses the names we say, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, because that shows just how important the Trinity is all-encompassing in your life and present in all forms of your life. While baptism is important, teaching about Jesus is. Jesus spent much of his, his earthly ministry teaching the disciples, and he taught large crowds. For instance, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, he teaches commandments to a lot of new people listening. And many of these commands that he teaches were actually referenced in the Old Testament law, so many people knew what he was talking about already. But he knew that since he had their attention, he was able to spend that time teaching and bringing them into familiarity with how that was pulling through to today. Jesus did not intend, though, when he gave those, those teachings and he gave us the Bible, he did not intend for us to read it, to take it, and then keep it to ourselves. And that's why I think it's so important that his last command, he said, I've taught you all these things, now I'm leaving, but you get to go. Everything I've taught you, you get to go. And in my experience, when you build a relationship with people, people are a lot more receptive to anything you have to tell them if they first know that you love them. People are a lot more receptive to anything you tell them if they first know that you love them. Much of what Jesus did in his ministry models this very thing. John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now Jesus gives a new commandment, right? So I have loved you, love one another. Now the question then is, are we modeling this in our daily life? Is it easy to love one another? Especially today, right? Is it easy to love one another through social media? But, so, but that's the question though, right? How do we model this love to one another? What about those who uh, are further from us in proximity? What about those who we don't interact with every day? How do we show love to them? Well, Jesus desires, I think, before we even do the teaching and baptizing, we need to show people love. This is an ongoing, everyday sort of thing, right? This isn't a pick and choose who we're gonna show to love. This is, man, when you see people as a child of God everywhere you go, That's when you get to start acting out this love and living out this love that God's given you. And I've heard people ask this, but Pastor Dustin, what if that person is on the opposite political spectrum from me and they do not deserve my love? Well, it's been said, John 13, 34, new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. But Pastor Dustin, what if that person refuses to wear a mask and makes me feel bad about my decision? A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. But Pastor Dustin, what if that person has wronged me in the past, the very thought of them gets my blood boiling, and I pray for them, and they're not nice prayers. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love, fill in the blank. That really changes perspective on it, doesn't it? As I have loved you, so you must love. Fill in that blank. And man, fill in that blank with the hardest person you can think of to love because that person is just as deserving as you are. Know that they deserve to be shown the kindness of God that will lead them to repentance just as much as you deserve the kindness of God. And God will show them the same grace that they don't deserve, the same way that he shows you the grace that you don't deserve, the grace that I don't deserve because God's grace is for everyone. Build that relationship. Let your actions speak so much louder than your words and let your love be an incredible teaching of Jesus. There's one more part in this statement in Matthew that can't be missed. when We talk about focusing on our mission and this makes it all the more comforting for me. Jesus promises that he is always with us. He's always with you the entire time. From the very beginning of time, God's intention was to be as close and as intimate with people as possible. Then in Genesis 3 comes along and there's there's sin, right? This this separating factor, but that begins this ultimate love story of redemption where Jesus comes literally to us and shows us that he wants to be with us, that God's desire is to be in and intimate with our lives. And then when Jesus leaves, what comes? The Holy Spirit comes. So we see through scripture, God has this huge plan to be with you always. No matter where we go, no matter what we do, or who God calls us to, he is always there. The last part of Matthew says that. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus may not be standing physically right here next to you, but when he left, he did send his Holy Spirit, and that is God's presence with you everywhere you go. He is with you all the time. And I love it. Jesus didn't ascend into heaven. And you know, we, we all struggle with doubts at times, right? Right? Not the only one that you know has, has doubts in life. Jesus may not be standing physically next to you, but the Holy Spirit's come, and we ultimately can get our peace in times of doubts when the Holy Spirit is with us. But it's not a shocker, right? Gee, do, you, do you guys think that Jesus think we wouldn't doubt, right? I mean, do, do you think Jesus knew we'd have doubts? I mean, he had to have, right? He didn't go into heaven and then say, "All right, guys, you've got this. You saw me. I modeled it. Now go. I'm out." He didn't do that. He left. And even in that moment, they were kind of standing there going, so now what? angels had to come down and say, now go. (laughs) It's time to go. It's time to get a move on. And then after, even before that, when Jesus was crucified, he died on the cross. Peter goes back to fishing. Some of the other disciples, they start heading out of town. They're getting lost. Thomas said, I don't believe it until I see it. Jesus knew right from the get-go. He knew we would have doubts. He knew we would have these struggles. When, when my two brothers died that I shared about, you know, the past couple weeks, I faced my own serious doubts. The questions of, you know, God, are you really here? Do you really care? If you loved me, then why? Why would we go through this? <clears throat> but ultimately, I got to see that God is always there. Even in my darkest moments, I got to see that through the death of my brothers, God was right there. He was there before. He was there during. And he's taken me to a whole new place because of the love that I learned through them. And he got to show me why he is God and I am not. We've all seen Bruce Almighty. We know what happens when the power of God goes to a person, right? It doesn't typically work out. But similar to this situation in my own life, the disciples, I mean, this was Jesus' audience in Matthew 28, had many opportunities to witness the power of the Holy Spirit in their own lives. They saw it work in incredible ways. But I wonder how many times they still doubted, even though they knew Jesus was with them. They knew the Holy Spirit was with them. So know that, If you've been in a similar situation, maybe like Peter, we've mentioned, he's walking on the water and your focus has shifted and you have those doubting moments, never forget that he is still right there with you even in and through your doubt. The Israelites coming to the Red Sea knowing that now there's an obstacle, here's our past catching up to us, there must have been some significant doubt of what was gonna happen. God was right there and showed up. Never forget that when you feel like you can't do it, when you feel like God's not there, he promises he is always there and he has an invitation for you to walk with him and through him as you carry out your mission. Focus on the mission. We've all been called to it. We know that we all have a part to play and it could be anywhere. And that's exciting to think that you could walk out, seriously, you open your front door in the morning and walk out, mission field. For some of you, you maybe will walk in your front door into your own home and say, mission field. Mission field. Every one of us has an incredible mission field, and every one of us is called to be a part of an absolutely incredible mission. And I want to make sure that today, when we leave here, we are focused on our mission. We, do, we pray, we say, God, show me what it is you want me to do. Show me where you want me to go. Show me where you are sending me, and make it clear to me who is my mission. How can I build a relationship with them that is going to show an incredible love that ultimately points them to you? I'd like to invite the worship team back up as we close this morning out. Uh, throughout the series, um, I hope and pray that you've been able to see the importance of, uh, of your focus in your life. And when we lose focus on things that matter, when we lose focus on Jesus, we will slowly, but, but surely, if we look away from him, we'll start to walk away from him. But I hope that as we look at our focus and we say, where am I going to be going this, this next season of my life? What am I going to be looking at? We look right at Jesus. And through that, we say, this is the direction I'm going to go because I know he desires for us to stay in a constant, growing, focused relationship with him. Would you please stand with me today? Some questions to to think about as we absorb his word and his message. Uh, What currently is in the way? What is currently in the way from you growing in Christ? What is is currently in the way from you growing in Christ? What What is making you lose focus? What is God calling you to focus on today to advance his mission? Remember, it's not our mission. This is God's mission that we get to be a part of. I believe that if we learn to focus our Focus our sights, focus our life on Jesus. We'll see transformation, we'll see renewal, and we'll see that life and that love flow out to those people around us. Man, let yourselves be available to be used by God, not so that we can have just a happy, fun life, but that we can have a fulfilled life, a truly fulfilled life in God. God desires to use us to reach so many people, and I know that when we take that step, we say, God, I'm available, use me. He will make your mission field and your mission clear and he promises to walk with you the whole time. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this amazing mission that we all get to be a part of. God, that we get to say, my focus is on you. My sights are set on you. God, now use me. Tell me where to go. And that we get to be a part of spreading your glory to the whole world, God. I pray that, that everybody here finds their mission, that we're able to show that love, build that relationship, and ultimately point people to you. It's not about us. It's always all about you. So we thank you that we get to partner with you in this and that you're with us the whole time. We thank you, love you. And everybody said, amen.